Amen. Give me remain standing. We're going to take some time before we start to pray for Northern Africa. We'd like to welcome those who are joining us at the Coronet, downstairs in the Law Hall and in the Consolidation Room, and those on the internet. I want you all to join us in prayer for Northern Africa. We know that Colin's out there, our senior minister, he's out there in Northern Africa right now. He needs our prayer, but also Northern Africa needs our prayer. Many people have never heard of Jesus out there. And we want to pray. We've been praying for over 20 years and more concerning the prophecies that we've received. How as a church we will influence those who are the least evangelized in the world. And we had the privilege and the honor of, of ministering to a, a church in Marseille with only a few members from Muslim backgrounds. And they know what it is to believe in Jesus. Many of them had to leave their family to believe in Jesus. And so I want you to lift your hands in the law hall, in the congregation, at, all across the road at the coronet. And just begin to pray right now, strongly in other tongues, in the name of Jesus. Let's begin to lift up our senior minister. Let's begin to lift up Northern Africa. And let's begin to pray that God will begin to open doors in the name of Jesus. Doors that we've never seen before in Jesus' name. And that he would loose his divine protection on all the believers out there in Jesus' name. Those suffering persecution. Those who are preaching. Oh God, our brothers in Mali, Father God. Our brothers, Father God, in Marseille, Lord God, right over Northern Africa, Father, the Middle East and Egypt, Lord God. Lord, we lift up, Lord, every single Christian who's out there, Father, today, Lord God, we ask you in the name of Jesus that you would strengthen them. In Jesus' name, Father, we lift up calling to you today. In Jesus' name, we ask you, Father God, that you lose your power over his life, Lord God, that you would extend the ministry, Father, and the vision that he has, Father, for Northern Africa. And the 1040 window, God, we ask you, open doors that we've never seen before. Raise up missionaries, Father strengthen the believers Father God in Jesus name Lord we ask you Lord God do something that we wouldn't believe even when we've been told Lord bring a revival Father in Jesus name you have been unlocking that region you've been unlocking doors and we ask you Father God release your power in the name of Jesus we plead the blood of Jesus Christ over the world Lord God in the name of Jesus we say no weapon formed against the world shall prosper in Jesus name put your divine protection loose your angels on your church Lord in Jesus name Father God we pray bless this work Lord bless this work Lord God bless this work we pray in Jesus name Father we pray that you'd open doors like we've never seen before give us as a church a heart and a passion for those who are the least evangelized those who've never heard of Jesus and the persecuted church Father we give you all the glory and the honor for what you're about to do this morning in Jesus name and everybody said Let's give Jesus one more big shout of praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Before you take your seats, tell three people, do you know Jesus? Amen. Do you know Jesus? Well, we're in church. You should all know Jesus. Hallelujah. But do you really know him this morning? If you have a Bible this morning, I'd like you to turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, verses 13 to 18. I want to thank uh, Pastor Colin for allowing me to minister today. And uh, I pray this morning that every single one of you would have an experience with God in Jesus' name. I've got a simple title to this message this morning. It's, Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Ask your neighbor again, Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? That's surely the most important question in the whole world. Who is Jesus? Heaven and hell. 
is divided on this topic. Will you go to heaven? Will you go to hell? It all depends on what you believe about Jesus Christ. Many people have different theories about Jesus. And it's important today that I want to share today, I want to put Jesus at the center of everything that we're doing. Pastor Colin said one thing to me a couple of years ago. He said, in our church, we want to make sure that Jesus is the center of attraction. That Jesus is the center of everything that we're doing. Amen. One of the reasons I want to share this today, because when we've been out there in Northern Africa, and we've seen these Christians ministering, they, they are passionate about Jesus. They're more passionate about Jesus than even me. Hallelujah. And I think I'm pretty passionate. And we go to these nations. I remember going down to Mali. And uh, we've got the discipleship vision. We've got cell groups. We've got the answer. Discipleship is the answer to the modern church. If we don't make disciples, how is the church going to build? How is it going to grow? And so 10 years ago, we went down to Mali and we ministered to these pastors and these leaders. I remember saying, listen, you've got to get cells. You've got to get disciples. You've got to build the church. And we encouraged these guys. We ministered to these guys. And as I got talking to one of the gentlemen, one of the pastors, he pulled me aside and he, he explained to me how God had given him a vision. God had given him a vision to, to reach out to the villages in Mali. Some of these villages had never heard of Jesus. Never heard the gospel. And how he'd received a vision. He was trying to build a large church in the city center of Bamako. And uh, he felt that God had spoken to him and said, listen, you're not going to be a pastor in the city. You're going to be an evangelist to the villages. And there, he had this burning passion in his heart. He began to pour out his heart to me and say, you know, God has given me a a vision for these villages. And it was December. And he started to say, you know, I've been down with malaria. I remember thinking, like an Englishman, you need to calm down and get some rest. And he he said, I've been down with malaria, but God's given me a passion. So I'm going to be out the next day and the next day after that ministering to these villages. And I thought, my God, this guy is out every single day ministering for Jesus. What am I doing? I thought I had the answer. I I came to Marty to tell them about revival, about discipleship. And here's a man who's out every single day preaching the gospel. I came back from Marley a bit like John Wesley came back. He says, I I went there to convert the Indians, but who will convert me? And I thought, my God, look at the people in Mali. They're doing more than what we're doing. Out every night, evangelizing these villages. God is visiting those villages. Many hundreds of people are coming to Christ. Blind eyes have been opened. Deaf ears have been unstopped. That's the kind of Christianity that we need in the Western world, isn't it? In Jesus' name. People who are passionate, people who have had an encounter with, with Jesus. No matter sickness or disease, it's not going to stop them. It's not going to hinder them. Our church has been called to reach out to the least evangelized people. And I remember Colin had a vision. And this vision was, was a dream or a vision. I can't remember what, what he said. But it was, it was a Land Rover in Western Sahara. He saw this Land Rover. And there was a team of people in this Land Rover. And as they drew through Western Sahara, down through Mali, Algeria, and all the way down to eastern part of Africa, North Africa, as they got out of this Land Rover, he said he started to see amazing miracles take place. Blind eyes started to open. Deaf ears started to be unstopped. Cripples started to walk. People started to receive Jesus. We know in Northern Africa today, some people are having visions of Jesus. Nobody is even preaching to them. But Jesus has turned up in dreams and they're believing in Him because He is visiting them. This is their time. This is their hour. They're passionate about Jesus. When I was in Marseille, I remember preaching. We had a mission there. 
The Bible school had just come back recently from Marseille. We have a Bible school in, in, in southern uh, Europe, Marseille, who's training people f- to, to reach the whole world, the least evangelized. We were preaching the gospel in Marseille. And I remember preaching this statement just came to me. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Does anybody know who Jesus is? Who is Jesus? And as I begin to, to speak this statement, many, many people gathered. Many Muslim, Muslim backgrounds begin to gather because they wanted to know who Jesus was. I tell you today, many Muslims want to know who Jesus is. Many people want to know who Jesus is. But who is Jesus? I remember coming back and I asked my cell group, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? A very simple, simple statement. I remember a man responded, he'd been saved for quite a long time. And uh, he said, Jesus is the Savior. He's saved. He's the God of redemption. And I thought, yes, he, he does say, but who is he really? Who is Jesus? Next person said, he's the Savior, he's the Lord. And he, in fact, he said, I don't want to focus on the Lordship of Christ. I just want to focus on him being the Savior. Isn't that the problem with the church today? We're focused on him as the Savior, but we're not focusing on him as the Lord. He's the Lord of all. Otherwise, he's not Lord at all. Who is Jesus? Many people said he's the healer. He's the redeemer. He forgives sins. But who is he really? John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him, in who? The Son of God, shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. How are we saved? We are saved by believing in the Son of God. That Jesus is the Son of God. Romans 10, verse 9 says, Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart he was raised from the dead, and you shall be saved. Many of us sing evangelism, we focus on Jesus' resurrection from the dead. We focus on the cross, and we say to people, pray this prayer to me. Believe that Jesus died on the cross. Believe that he rose again on the third day, and you will be saved. And many of us, we preach the gospel. I've seen evangelists down in Hounslow last week. We preached the gospel, and 62 people responded on the streets of Hounslow to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. I've seen evangelists say, pray this prayer quickly after me. Pray this prayer quickly. I confess, I confess, Jesus, uh, that he died on the cross and he rose again on the third day. You saved. And quickly they write out the details. But we're missing something out. We're missing something out. It's not just believe he died on the cross. It's not just believe he rose again on the third day. It's believe who he is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, the son of God, shall not perish but shall have eternal life. That was before Jesus died. He said, believe in me. You believe in him and you believe what he did on the cross. It's both together. Now let's read Matthew 16 together this morning. Verse 13 onwards. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to them, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. 
That's the question that is happening today in society. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Some were saying he's John the Baptist. Some were saying he's a good teacher. Someone saying he's a good person. Someone said he's Elijah, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Well, who do you believe that Jesus is today? The church's mission is to know Christ, to know who he is, and to make him known. It would be virtually impossible this morning to make Jesus known if we don't know him ourselves. We need to know him first. We need to have a revelation of who he is. Liberal Christians say he was a good man, but he was not God. Jehovah's Witnesses, they say he was, he, he was merely an archangel and a created being. Not God, just a man. Mormonisms teach that Jesus was not God, but only a man who became one of many gods. And he was the half-brother of Lucifer. Unitarians believe that Jesus was not God, but a great man of love and justice and healing. Buddhism teaches that Jesus was not God, but rather an enlightened man like the Buddha. Christian science, Mary Baker Eddy, she stated, Jesus Christ is not God. Islam teaches that Jesus was merely a man and a prophet, which is inferior, but, but he's inferior to Muhammad. Hindu, Muhammad Gandhi, he said, I cannot say that Jesus was uniquely divine. Uniquely divine. He was as much God as Krishna, Rama, or Muhammad. Look at the opinions of society today. Jesus Jesus is described in many cultures, in many different things. Some is a good man. Some is a prophet. Some is a good teacher. But is he, is he the Savior? Is he the Lord? In evangelism today, do we get straight to the point about Jesus? It's my experience. Many of us, we talk about the love of God. We talk about sin. Thank God for the teaching that Colin has been bringing on grace. Because we've known what it is. You're a sinner. Even when you come to Christ, you're still a sinner. And you struggle to obey the law. By grace is a man saved. We preach about sin. I heard someone preach on the street one day. Hell! Hell! There's fire in hell! Well, everybody knows there's fire in hell. Everybody knows there's fire in hell. Many people preach. They say, you're, you're an adulterer. You're a fornicator. You're a prostitute. You're a party animal. Well, yes, that's the world. That's exactly what they're doing. They're partying. They're lost. They need forgiveness. They need the grace of Jesus. And many of us, we preach this and return to God. But do we preach about Jesus? Do we ask questions about Jesus? I remember asking my brother one day. And I said, listen, are you going to church? He said, done with church. Next topic. I said, do you believe in God? I don't want to talk about God. Then I asked him the final question. What do you believe about Jesus? His response was, I don't want to talk about it. The reason many people in this world, they don't want to talk about Jesus. You can decide whether God exists or not, but what do you believe about Jesus? Was he a good man? Was he a prophet? Or was he the Lord of all? Paul on the road to Damascus, he was away from God. He was the first away from God. If you're the first away from God today, God wants to bring you back. He was on his road to Damascus. He was pulling Christians into prison, arresting them. And then a light shone from heaven. He had a divine encounter with God. Light shone from heaven and he fell down. And his response was unique. He said, who are you, Lord? Who are you, God? Who is this God? Who is this light that's shining from heaven? But Jesus was straight to the point. He didn't mess around. Jesus didn't say, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I've come down to visit you. No, he said, listen, I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus that you're persecuting. He was straight to the point. I am Jesus. And straight away, when Paul was baptized, guess what Paul did? He went out there and he began to preach straight away that Jesus was the Son of God. 
Jesus is the Son of God. Who do you believe him to be today? Why did Peter respond in this way? You are the Son of God. What a crazy thing to say. What a crazy thing to say if it was not true. You are the Son of God. Can you imagine this morning? We're all here. And Pastor Colin comes back next week and he's preaching next week and he says to all of you here this morning, Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that me, Colin Dye, is? Who am I? And someone in the congregation, maybe it's one of the primary leaders, shouts up, Colin, you are the Son of God. You're the Christ. You're the King of Israel. You would think you're crazy. Surely he's not the Son of God. He's just a man. He's just the senior minister of Kensington Temple. But as it was then, so it is. Now, Peter got up and he said, you are the Son of God. Eleven other people were there when Jesus asked this question. You can imagine them scratching their heads and thinking, who is Jesus? I've been with him a long time. Is he a good teacher? Is he the Lord? Is he a prophet? As people are saying he is. Or is he the Son of God? And then Peter blurts out, you are the Son of God. And he says to him, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. That's how a man is born again. That's how a man is saved, by the revelation of God. Something supernatural happens on the inside, Jesus said it. Unless a man be born again. Unless a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Last week, I was preaching, and I took a man out at the end of the service. A man had responded to God. And he said, you know, while the preaching was going on, I felt something supernatural start to happen inside of me. Like new life started to enter me. When you give the altar call, I decided, I need that new life. What was that? Something supernatural was happening. Faith was rising in his spirit. And when the altar call was given, he said, yes, I want Jesus in my life. He was born again. What happened to Peter? Peter saw Jesus heal his mother-in-law. He saw him heal Jairus' daughter. You know, I've often wondered why Peter left everything to follow God. Have you ever thought about that? He left everything to follow Jesus. He was fishing one night. He caught nothing. He was having a bad day. Business was at its low. An economic crisis maybe. And then Jesus got in his boat. And Jesus brought in this supernatural, miraculous catch. And so Peter started to, to call out for help because of this miraculous catch. And he called out everybody in the neighborhood. And they brought all those boats together to catch this miraculous catch. And Peter, what happened to him? He fell down. He fell down. You know, I wouldn't have fell down. I said, Jesus, that's thank you very much. Business is booming. Thank you. I'm going to sell all this fish and make some money. Peter fell down. He had an encounter with God. He realized that it wasn't just a man that was standing before him. The Son of God was standing before him. Jesus Christ, the Lord of all. And he recognized and Jesus said, from now on, you will catch men. You will be a fisher of men. And he guess what he did? He left everything behind and he followed after Jesus. Not like the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler, however, had a different response. He didn't recognize that Jesus was the Son of God. He didn't recognize that Jesus Christ was the King of Kings. I don't know how much the rich young ruler had in his hand. He could have had a million pounds. He could have had a couple of houses. But Jesus is not just a millionaire. He's not just a billionaire. He's the God of the whole universe. He owns everything in the world. And this businessman didn't recognize that he was face to face with the God of the whole universe. And he kept his million pounds and ended up spending an eternity without God. What a wrong exchange. Could it be this morning that many of you here, 
You don't have a revelation of who Jesus is. Many people in the Bible, like Peter, many people turned away. In the last days, the Bible says many will turn away from the faith. There's a big debate right now in society. And a challenge, is Jesus God? Is Jesus the Son of God? Is He just a prophet? The increase of Islam in society causes us as Christians to reevaluate where we are in our belief that Jesus is the Son of God. Is He uniquely divine? Or was He just a good man who died on the cross and perhaps rose from the dead? There's doubt coming in society. We only need to recognize that with the Da Vinci Code versus the passion of the Christ. All these different theories in society today. We need to know as Christians our foundation stone. Many people turned away from Jesus. Why? Because Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you do not have eternal life. You don't have any life in you. Many people turned away. And Jesus asked the question to the disciples, will you turn away? Are you going to turn away like many other people? And guess what Peter said? Peter responded, where shall we go? Where are we going to go? You have the answer of eternal life. You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Why? Because he believed in the Son of God. Do you believe in the Son of God today? Do you believe he's the Son of God? John the Baptist testified. He said, God told me, whoever you see the Spirit descending on, he is the Son of God. And John the Baptist in John 1 verse 34, I can testify. I can give evidence. I saw the Spirit descend upon him. He is the Son of God. Pointing at Jesus. Nathaniel, what about him? He responded when he saw Jesus, You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Why? He was just under a fig tree. He was chilling out, relaxing. Many of you were relaxing last week at Bank Holiday. Hallelujah. That's what he was doing, just relaxing, chilling out. Under the fig tree. Philip got a hold of him. He said, Hey, come, we've seen the Messiah. We've seen the Christ. And Jesus said to him, Listen, I saw you under the fig tree. He gave him a word of knowledge. And because of that word of knowledge, something supernatural happened inside of Nathaniel. And he said, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. He just believed. What about Martha? Martha was suffering the death of Lazarus. And Jesus said these words to her. He said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. He said to to Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe that he's the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that he is the I am? She said, she responded not to the question. She responded, I believe. I believe that you are the son of God. You are the Christ. She recognized him to be God. God in the flesh. The son of God. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And if you believe in him today, you will live. Peter had this revelation going on in the inside because God said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. The Father affirms Jesus as the Son. When Jesus was born, the angel came to Mary and said, he will be called the Son of the Highest. He'll be called the Son of God. He'll be called Emmanuel, God with us. The Father affirmed Jesus at his baptism. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. On the transfiguration, when they were on the mountain, he said, this is my son. This is my beloved son. Hear him. This is revelation today. This is how a man is born again. This is how a man comes to faith in Christ, recognizing that he is the son of God. Philip was in a revival, a revival service. Many people were being saved. And God said to him, listen, by the angel, go down to the desert road. 
And a man was there just reading. Reading the prophet Isaiah. He didn't know what he was reading. He was looking at the scriptures. What does this mean? There's many people out there today who are wondering who Jesus is. They're wondering what the scriptures mean. And we, as a congregation, as a church, we need to know who Jesus is. We need to go and speak to people, just as Philip began to expand the scriptures to the Ethiopian eunuch. And he started to teach him from the scriptures all about Jesus Christ. And guess what the response was? A unique response. The eunuch said, you know what? What hinders me from being baptized? I want to get baptized. I want to move forward. He said, if you believe. You know what he said? He said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Think about the centurion on the cross. This man had saw the death of Christ. If anybody knew that Jesus was the Son of God, it was the centurion. He saw the nails go through his hands and his feet. He saw the stripes on his back. He saw the state of Christ. If you've seen the passion of the Christ, you know what I mean. Stripped, beaten, bruised. And they pushed him up on the cross. He took the full weight on his shoulders for the sin of the whole world. And this man, this centurion, he saw that. He saw the death of Christ. He saw the death of the Son of God. And he was looking at the Christ. He saw Jesus say, Tetelestai. He saw, it is finished. Which means it is paid in full. On the cross, Jesus, in all agony. What word did he say? He said, your sin is paid in full on the cross. Jesus paid for your sin and my sin on the cross. He disarmed principalities and powers on the cross. He said the words, Abba, Father. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He said, Father God, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This centurion witnessed all of that. My favorite scene in the Passion of the Christ is when Jesus gives up his spirit. And he breathes out. He breathes out his breath. He gives up the ghost. As the Bible says, he gives up his spirit. And a tear drops from heaven of the Father. And suddenly, there's a great earthquake that happens. Satan is defeated. He cries out. He's disarmed, defeated, and driven out. And there's a great earthquake. And the veil of the temple is torn in two from top to bottom. This centurion witnesses that. You see on the Passion of the Christ movie, how he pierces the side. And when he pierces the side of Jesus, he falls to the ground. And what does he do? He just stands there in awe of this Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And in the Bible it says, Truly, this was the Son of God. Truly, He was the Son of God. Jesus even said He was God. The Bible says it in John 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. What is that to say to you today? If I was to ask you this question, do you believe that Jesus is God? Do you believe that Jesus is God? I asked a Christian friend of mine, I was meeting the other day. I said, do you, do you believe that Jesus is God? And he just paused for a moment. Jesus, God. And, and then he said, yes. Some of us today who don't know that Jesus is God, we're going to be confronted. We need to defend our faith. Hallelujah. We need to get through our Bible and know that Jesus is fully man and fully God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created by Him. Hallelujah. And this Word became flesh and made His dwelling amongst us. We beheld His glory full of grace and truth. 
Who is he talking about? Jesus Christ. He's talking about Jesus, how Jesus was in heaven, the Word of God, and how the Word of God became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. Jesus said, he used the word, I am. The great word I am. You remember that in Moses' time, Exodus chapter 3? And Moses asked the question to God, who do you say? Who, who am I going to tell them? Who has sent me? What am I going to call you, God? And God said to him, I am that I am. I am that I am. See, in the Gospel of John, they were talking and having a conversation about Abraham being their father, the Pharisees. And one of the reasons why they killed Jesus in the beginning is because they said he'd blasphemed. They asked him a question just before his death. Are you the son of God? He says, I am. I am the son of God. They're talking about Abraham in John chapter 8. They said, Abraham's our father. And Jesus said these words. Before Abraham was, I am. I am God. That's what Jesus was saying. Before Abraham even existed. And they said, how can you say that? You're only 30 years old. But yet, you're saying that you're greater than Abraham. You existed before Abraham. He said, yes, before Abraham was, I am. He used the holy name of God, Yahweh. He was claiming to be God. Because he is God. He is the son of God. Do you believe him today? Hallelujah. This is the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel is the belief that Jesus is the Son of God. In 1 John, he talks about who is a liar in the last days. 1 John chapter 2, verse 22 to 23. Who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is an antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. 1 John 3 verse 23. And this is his commandment. That we should believe on the name of his Son Jesus Christ. And love one another as he gave us the commandment. 1 John 4 verse 14 to 15. And we have seen. And testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses Jesus as the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. 1 John 5 verse 4 to 5. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Who is He that overcomes the world? He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That's amazing. He who overcomes the world. He who overcomes the world is he that believes that Jesus is who he said he was, the Son of God. We need to put a fresh confidence in that. Jesus said, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What rock was he talking about? What rock was he talking about, Peter? No, he was talking about the rock of Revelation. He was saying, on this revelation, on what revelation? That Jesus is the Son of God. On the revelation that Jesus is the Son of God, the church shall be built. The church shall prosper. The church shall have authority. Who is he who overcomes the world? He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. What would you do today, differently, if you really believed that Jesus was the Son of God? I mean, if Jesus was living on the inside of you and you say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I tell you, if you really believe that Jesus was the Son of God, you'd be like Peter. Peter saw Jesus walking on the water. And many of us say, Peter walked by faith on the water. He was walking on the water by faith. I tell you today, looking fresh at the scripture, I believe that Peter, because he recognized that Jesus was the Son of God, that's why he walked on the water. He recognized that Jesus was the creator of the universe. He said, if it's you, Lord, if it's you, if you're God, if it's you, let me walk towards you on the water. And guess what happened? He walked towards him on the water and he began to walk on the water. Hallelujah. Because he knew that Jesus was the Son of God. Do you know him today? Do you know him? Do you know him? Jesus said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of God. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Where does that authority come from? Where does the authority come to say, you will permit and you will forbid. You will stop things happening in prayer. You have authority. I want to tell you today, if you are a cell leader today, you have authority to make disciples. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Jesus would have never asked us to make disciples if he never gave us the authority. But where does this authority come from? The Bible says, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Whatever we bind on earth will be bound. Hallelujah. Whatever we loose will be loosed in the name of Jesus. Because we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you believe him today? Do you believe him today? The reason the Son of God was made manifest is that He might destroy the works of the devil. 1 John John verse 5, 9 to 13, let's read it together. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God that He has testified of His Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in Himself. He who does not believe God has made Him a liar. Because he has not believed the testimony that God has given his son. And this is the testimony that God has given eternal life. And this is life in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. These things I've written to you that you may believe. Hallelujah. In the name of the son of God. That you may know that you have eternal life. And that you may continue to believe In the name of the Son of God. That's what he's writing. All about the Son of God. Today, do you know him? I know him. Hallelujah. I know him today. I've experienced him today. I remember when you're doing what Jesus is doing. When you're doing about the Father's business, you start to experience God in an unusual way. The closest that I've ever been to God was on the synagogue road in Mali. Thank God for the encounters. If you've not been on an encounter, there was a men's encounter this weekend. If you've not been on an encounter, you need to encounter God. If you want to move forward as a Christian, you need to experience God. You need to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit and receive the empowerment to live the Christian life. On the road to Mali, I remember praying for these villages. And it's not just like going down in the street of Notting Hill Gate and witnessing. There's something that stirs you. Something that's direct from the heart of God. Because many of these people in Mali, they've never heard of Jesus Christ. And you pray, God, let your glory shine upon them. I remember for one hour and a half being on that road in Mali. Praying for these people to be saved. Praying that God would give me a word. Praying that God would heal people. Praying that people would turn to God. 
And the presence of God just entered that car. Like the thick glory of God. For one hour, all I did was pray and pray and pray in the presence of God. God giving you authority. God giving the anointing. God giving the power. Because He's the Son of God. You know how I remember that? Because we went back two years later. Two years later, I was going through a dry period in my life. And I thought, my God, do I even want to go to Mali? What am I going to give these people? But when I got back on that road of Senegal again, hallelujah. I began to pray for these people who have never heard of Jesus. And the presence of God came into the car again. And He just built me up and strengthened me. So when I went into the village, people gave their lives to Christ. Because of the glory of God. I remember thinking, my God, the greatest place to be is in the presence of God. To experience Him. To experience His presence. As we begin to close today. There's a popular phrase in evangelism. Very effective. If you were to die tonight. And you were to face God. And God would ask you. Why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? What would you say today? If you were to suddenly disappear out of your body. And you were to face God. And you will face God. And He may ask you. Why should I let you into heaven? If you're not a Christian today, you should fear this statement. But I tell you, in the next five minutes, you can have security and peace with God by believing in His Son, Jesus Christ. And the sin that has burdened you down can be forgiven and you can receive a new life. But I tell you, for the Christian, the Christian should have confidence. Why? Because you know Him. You know Him. When you get to heaven, God is not going to ask you, why should I let you in? Because you know His Son. You know God. It's like when I go home to see my mother. What happens? I don't get to the door. My mom doesn't ask me, why should I let you in? (laughs) Why doesn't she say that? Because I know her. I go through the door. Often ignoring her. Say, hi. I go into the refrigerator. I get myself some food. I start to have a drink. And then we sit down and have a conversation. Why? Because I know Him. I know her. It's going to be the same when you get to heaven. You know him. You're going to say, hey, what's up, Jesus? You're going to go straight into the refrigerator of heaven and get yourself a drink. Hallelujah. Because you know him. Because you know him. He is the son of God. In a few moments, if you don't know him today, you can know him. I'm going to play a popular DVD. You may have seen it. I was surprised to hear that Bruce had not seen it. That's my king. When you see this DVD, many of you may stand up. You may want to praise God. Feel free to do that today. I want you to study this whole topic about knowing who Jesus is. You can get Pastor Colin's book, Knowing the Son. It explains in detail about who Jesus is, how He's fully man, how He's the Son of God, how He's fully God. When you're watching this DVD today, I believe this DVD is going to encourage you in your faith in the name of Jesus. It's going to stir you in the name of Jesus. I want to encourage you as a church to speak out about Jesus. Tell others about Jesus. Get to know the revelation like Peter did. You are the Son of God. So we're going to play this DVD. After this DVD, if you're in this place today and you don't have peace with God, you don't know Jesus Christ, after this DVD, I'm going to give you an opportunity to have forgiveness of sins. And His new life is going to enter you today. And I'm going to pray with you in Jesus' name. If the technical guys can play that DVD right now. There are approximately 2 billion heartbeats in the human lifespan. And the human mind processes on average 47,000 thoughts in a single day. Over 17 million a year and over 1 billion in a lifetime. 
That's hundreds of millions of questions in a year life. Of those questions, B3 is down. Who am I? Why am I here? Where do we come from? These three questions led to an even bigger question. These three questions lead to an even bigger question. These three questions led to an even bigger question. A question that answers all questions. A question that answers all questions. All questions. Do you know me? Do you know No. Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of theology. He's the only one qualified to be at all sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age, he rewards the diligent, and he purifies the weak. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His is limitless, his mercy is everlasting, his love never changes, his word is enough, his grace is sufficient, his reign is righteous, and his yoke is easy, and his firm is lighter. I wish I could describe him, for yet he's indescribable, he's incomprehensible, he's invincible, he's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Hallelujah. Let's give him another shout of victory. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are worthy. 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 You are worthy, Lord. 
You are King of kings and Lord of lords. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. I'd invite the musicians to come back right now. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Every Christian praying today. The question is, do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know today he can forgive your sins? Do you know today he can give you new life? Do you know today he can turn your life around? Do you know today that burden that's on your shoulders, he can remove it? Do you know today that you can have eternal life? By inviting him into your heart right now. I'm going to pray a prayer and I'd like everybody to pray this prayer after me. It's a prayer of receiving Jesus into your life. And then after this prayer, I'm going to ask you, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, or if you're ready to recommit your life to Him, who is the Son of God, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand in the air. When you lift that hand, you're not lifting it to me. You're lifting it to heaven. If you want Jesus in your life, you need forgiveness of sins, and you're ready to turn to Him today, pray this prayer out loud as a congregation. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, I come to you right now, and I admit that I need you, that I'm a sinner, and that I need your forgiveness. Today I believe in you. I believe that you're the Son of God. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I ask you to give me your new life. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe you rose again on the third day. And today, today, I choose to follow you and make you the Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for accepting me into your kingdom. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you want Jesus in your life this morning, I don't want you to leave this place without receiving him and receiving his forgiveness. If you prayed that prayer right now, I want you to lift your hand in the air because I'd like to pray with you right now in Jesus' name. Right across this place, if you want Jesus to forgive you, you need his forgiveness, lift your hand high right across this place this morning. And say, pray for me, Christian. I want Jesus in my life. Lift it high. When you lift that hand this morning, you're not lifted to me. You're lifted to God. And God sees your hand. And he says, welcome home. If you're in this place today and you're saying, Christian, pray for me. I've not been living for the Son of God. But today I want to recommit my life to God. I want you to lift your hand high in this place today. You're saying, Christian, I want to recommit my life to Jesus. I want that new life. I'm turning back to him. If that's you, lift your hand high in this place today. If you lifted your hand, just keep it lifted with you right now. A member of our congregation will come and pray with you in a few moments. Just lift your hand high if you lifted it before. So I can see. Those who lifted your hand in the balcony and the lower ground, I just want you to stand right now in the name of Jesus. Let's give them a hand as they stand right now. Just encourage you, if you lifted your hand, just stand right now. I'm going to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you right across this place. Upstairs in the balcony, stand right now. If you lifted your hand before, you want Jesus in your life. And I'm going to pray with you. Father, we thank you for every single person who's responded to you this morning. And we ask you today, in Jesus' name, that they would know you as the Son of God. That know that you came and died on the cross. And today, they are forgiven because you rose again on the third day. Father, we ask you at the coronet, Lord, downstairs in the lower hall, people who've responded to you right now, we ask you that you'd come into their heart and their life in the name of Jesus. This is a new start. 
In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Let's give Jesus praise right now in the place today. Hallelujah. If you're standing up right now, I want to spend a few moments with you. If you lifted your hand, we want you to come forward and we've got a Bible to give you. Bruce is going to conclude the service. Thank you, Bruce.